I took myself to Barnes and Noble, looked at some books, you know, still didn't see any out there that I liked. And I finally found a book that I liked the binding on. And I opened it up and on the copyright page, there was an email. I emailed them and they wrote me back and they were like, hey, yeah, we'd love to chat with you. Like, okay, cool. And I thought that's just how it went. I didn't know anything that I know now about publishing. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's episode features author, artist, and founder of The Weekend Type, Corey Harold. Corey recently released her third book, Our Christmas Story, a book designed for families to record their Christmas traditions, memories, photos, even things like recipes to preserve for future generations. It's a very timely episode with Thanksgiving tomorrow. As I mentioned, she's actually the author of two other books as well, As You Grow and As We Grow. And she has another book being released next year. In today's episode, we chat about her journey in becoming an author, the steps she's taken to market her books, and discuss her latest endeavor, The Weekend Type, which is both a community for artists and a marketplace where one can purchase art for their home. Before we get to the episode, I have a request. If you've enjoyed the Branson Book Podcast, would you take a minute to rate and review the podcast on iTunes? Doing so will help this podcast get more visibility, and it'd mean a lot to me. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And like I said, I want to hear from you. Let me know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Branson Book Podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davian Krista Facebook page and send us a message. You can also DM us on Instagram at davianchrista. Now, on to the episode. And we are back with another episode of the Brands That Book Show, our last episode before Thanksgiving. So if you're listening to this during the week of Thanksgiving, remember our Black Friday, Thanksgiving, Cyber Monday sale is going on right now. So head on over to the Davy and Krista website, davianchrista.com forward slash shop to check out our sale on all of our templates. Now, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Corey author, artist, founder of The Weekend Type. We're so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So can you give people a little background on who you are, what you do? I feel like you have a few different projects and then one of them in particular, The Weekend Type being relatively new. So give us the story. Yeah. Okay. So I have a lot of different creative hats and, you know, 
getting ready for this, I just got to go back down memory lane and see where I have gone. And as long as I can remember, I've always loved projects and creating and making and just as a child, you know, and, you know, once I got into high school, found myself in the yearbook club, did yearbook editing that, and, you know, my high school job was also, um, painting pottery. Like, and I did that all the way through college. So those creative things I carried with me into college. And that's when you're like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Right. So much pressure in. So the painting pottery, is that like uh one of those places that you show up to and you, you know, can kind of paint a piece and then it goes into whatever that that, Very much you know, so. furnace thing is. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Just trying to understand. All the handprints and footprints and like yeah. the custom lettering. Yeah. We did all of that. Awesome. So you get to college. Are you doing more pottery? Yes. Like okay, I found awesome. a pottery studio in college and I, before they opened, I walked in and I said, I need to work here. You need to hire me. Let's do this. And she did. She hired me right then. She didn't know my background. It was cool. That's just another creative side that I've just always been working at. And when I studied in college, I did um, graphic design and interior mm-hmm. design. They let me do a blended degree because I, <laughs> this is pretty typical of me. I yeah. couldn't pick. And so it was awesome. Like the professors worked together to, you know, line up courses that would complete a full degree. And I got to study both. And that was without like the heavy load of double majoring. It really was a mm-hmm. interdisciplinary degree just for me. And one of my favorite courses in there, I took one-on-one with my professor and we met, I think once or twice a week. And it was um, a drawing course. It was just um, interior design, like rendering spaces. Mm-hmm. And she really guided me on different you know, techniques and ways to do it better and ways to do it faster. And just having her time was really valuable to me. Yeah. That's so interesting because I mean, already knowing a little bit of your story, um, but I'm learning a lot here too. You can kind of start connecting the pieces, you know, and seeing kind of how one thing leads to the next, uh, even the pottery, but yet the background in doing yearbook in high school. I mean, that's kind of Krista's story as a designer as well. It wasn't uh, the yearbook, but it was, um, the school paper. And what she really liked about the school paper were the layouts, right? Um, (laughs) Not so much actually writing it, but the layouts and, uh, and you know, how that led to her to a, she did graphic design in college, but anyways, not about her, about you. (laughs) And so I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about this degree and some of the things that it started leading you towards. Yeah. So I got out of college, got married and, you know, my husband, he was saying, well, you know, you could either, you know, get some sort of office job, try to find, you know, a graphic design job. We had moved to Virginia at this point. I went to school in Texas, but, um, you know, I could either find a job, corporate, whatever, or if you wanted to start something, go for it. And, um, at this point, you know, I, (laughs) we were, living in my in-laws basement to pay off our student loans. And so I don't know, it was just this very like pivotal moment of figuring out, do I want to go and just work a job that I'm guaranteed, you know, finances from, or since we do have the support of 
living with his parents, you know, in their basement, should I take the leap? And I did. I ended up doing professional photography from 2009 to 2016. And it was wonderful and great. And it took off. And, you know, it was really, really good for me to learn, you know, business and entrepreneurial skills and, you know, branding and all the things that I learned in college. I really got to apply to this business and watch it grow. And I made a lot of great connections in the wedding industry and other photographers through that season. But once we started having kids and thinking about kids, it was time to shift gears because the schedule just didn't work for us and with kids. And I I think that's pretty common. Yeah. So leading up to, you know, being okay with, okay, we're getting ready to have kids. I had started thinking about what I wanted to do next, you know, and And was it really transition and was it pushed on? I'm sorry. Was it pushed on through, you know, the kind of that thought that, okay, kids are next. You don't necessarily want to give up weekends. Was it primarily weekends that you were giving up? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of weekends, but my husband works a job that shift work. And so he only is off half of those weekends. Hmm. So it's like a month of weekends and then off a month of weekends. So it's really hit or miss with what the schedule was and finding, you know, childcare on the weekends always depended upon it was just like, it was too much. Sure. And, um, you know, and then the back work of, you know, doing the editing and just everything that goes with wedding photography, you know. Yeah, Um, absolutely. It's just (laughs) such an interesting trend. And I don't know, you know, I certainly don't regret our time as wedding photographers. So maybe you feel similar. And I think that there's so many great things about being able to work a camera well, right? I mean, (laughs) in other, because every business that you ever start, you know, you're going to need good images for your brand, especially true of what you're doing. And we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sure in a little bit, but you know, when you have some sort of a product that you're showing off, I mean, good images can go a long way. I would assume I don't have any experience selling on Amazon, let's say, uh, but selling a product on Amazon. So I don't regret that time at all, but I think, you know, one thing that we see time and time again is kind of this trend of uh, just getting to a point where you're, I guess it works for a season of life. Yeah. Right. And there's also another trend where I see people, you know, they want to be working 40 weddings a year. It's like their dream. And then they get to 40 weddings a year and they're like, I want nothing. (laughs) I want nothing to do with 40 weddings a year anymore. Yes. So it's really interesting just kind of, and I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know any statistics on it, but like maybe, and it's probably unfair to call it this, but the burnout rate of photographers, I'd say, especially wedding photographers where it's very much weekend oriented. And it looks like it would be this thing that has all this sort of flexibility and you're really, you know, air quotes for people who are listening, (laughs) only working on the weekends, right? Um, Which of course we know isn't the case. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does that resonate with you at all? Like this, I mean, do you regret your time as a wedding photographer? Not at all. Yeah. I thought it was great. I think my least favorite was waking up the next day with that like, body fatigue and calling it the wedding hangover, just like being on your feet all day. We'll just do that to you and carrying all that stress of making sure somebody else's day is, you know, perfect and captured perfect and all the things that you're responsible for. Like that really does take a toll on you. Absolutely. And once definitely, no, definitely a good lesson in business though. Right. I mean, you deal with people on 
maybe the most emotional day of their lives or the most emotional day of their lives to date. And so many different members of their family usually who (laughs) respond to that emotion in different ways. So I think it really is a good crash course in like learning how to deal with clients and people. Yes. Yes, it definitely is. (laughs) So anyways, I feel like I got a sidetrack on these reflections on wedding photography. (laughs) So getting us back on track, you know, you're starting to, to, to figure out what's next. So was that when you started when the idea for maybe your first book came to be or what did that look like? No, not yet. (laughs) So (laughs) there's even one more thing in there. I decided to try my hand at calligraphy and, um, you know, I had picked up like a junky little set from Hobby Lobby, you know, when I was 12, maybe with like the chisel tip, not real like pointed pen or anything. And I just remember being so disappointed, like this isn't, this is nothing. This is not how it works. And uh, I started looking into it and I found a workshop from somebody that I had just been following on Instagram up in Michigan. It was a two day calligraphy intensive workshop. It was Molly Jakes. And I flew up there, did the workshop and it was amazing. And it gave me the push like, yeah, I could do this. And, um, I probably practiced in our guest bedroom for like three solid months, like all my spare time. Granted, this is before kids. So I had a (laughs) lot of spare time and I would put, you know, all my practice sheets like on the wall so I could start seeing progress just with calligraphy before I was ready. Like, okay, maybe I could turn this into a business, you know? And, um, I started offering things just here and there. Somebody asked if I would teach a class to a bunch of wedding planners in Charleston. And I hadn't been doing this, but for maybe three months at the time, like, okay, sure. (laughs) You know, it's like, let's see what happens. And I went and did that and it just kind of kept going. And I called myself the weekend type at that point because I thought, oh, it's such a perfect blend for events that happen on the weekends. And it's me coming out of this weekend thing with photography and it just made sense and people love the weekend. So you feel like you can resonate just with that name, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so it started being more courses or not courses, workshops in town. Mm -hmm. And, um, they were a lot of fun. I teamed up with a florist and we would do like flower arranging and calligraphy and brunch. And it was a, it was an event, you know, it was a experience. And it was awesome at the time. But then it was time to start shifting gears again. Another kid came along the way. So I had to kind of stop for a little bit with those workshops. And then fast forward to when Jonah came. Jonah is our second. He came in the summer of 2016. And at that point, I had him and I had this newborn and it's I don't know. You're kind of like only doing the newborn stuff, right? I'm sure Krista can remember this. And it's like, okay, now what? Right. And you're like, okay, am I just mom now? Or am I still working now? Or where do I kind of go from here? Did you feel that tension after your first? No, I think because I felt like I could handle it. Like I could handle the balance of one. But then the second came and it was like, Oh, this is this is a different game. This <laughs> and what's is okay. the what's the separation between the two? Nineteen months. Okay, so not 
you know, I mean, two under two, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we have at least one friend with two under two and it's, uh, they say it's exciting. It's not exactly the word that they would use, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll use that word too. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's a lot more manageable now, but you know, they're three and five now. So you, I guess with this, I mean, it's, I, one rocked my world, so I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> I can't, I, you know, I can't even imagine. And that's the other thing too is that people would say, "Oh, Davey, you just you just don't really get it until you have a kid." And they're mm-hmm. not, you know. I always hated that. Like, I just hated hearing it. I'm like, okay, like, all right, whatever, you know. But then, of course, having a kid, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I just didn't, I just didn't get it. And I don't think anybody yeah. really can, you know, until they have that, or until they're, especially if they're working from home, as we are. Just kind of that blend <laughs> of life and work, right? I yes. think that it's so much harder to compartmentalize that, mm-hmm. you know, as an entrepreneur, especially if you're working from home. So, where did this lead you? Okay. So, after I had Jonah and I'm in this season of like, I don't know, rest, tired, just, I don't know. I don't know what else to call that season. Wondering what I'm doing next because I didn't think it was going to be more calligraphy with all these envelopes out and drying and, you know, toddlers running around. And it just didn't make sense in my head. I think now I'd be okay because I could lock the office. We're in a different place now. But the other one, I didn't have a lock on the door. There was no door kind of set up. Yeah. And I had a friend nudge me like, she said, you need one thing. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. One thing. <laughs> and, um, She just kept putting this bug in my ear. Like, you just need your one thing. She's like, what if you did, you know, like a baby book or something? It's like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, (laughs) and I'm still in this like, yeah, you're crazy. And, you know, you're up at 2 a.m. nursing a baby, still chewing on that conversation, right? It's like, okay, so what if I did do a baby book? I never could find one that I liked. And so I started writing just in a blank journal to my kids. And I had already been doing that. Whenever I got pregnant with Xander, one of the first things I did was pull out a new journal, start writing to him, you know, and I put the date. And I still write in these journals just because that's where it started for me. But this baby book thing, it's like, okay, yeah. So what would it look like if I did? And would somebody even let me That was, I think, the big thing. Like, how do I go from here? Because it seems like such a daunting, like, endeavor. Yeah. Like, okay. So I took myself to Barnes & Noble, looked at some books, you know, still didn't see any out there that I liked. And I finally found a book that I liked the binding on. And I opened it up. And on the copyright page, there was an email. I emailed them. And they wrote me back. And they're like, hey, yeah, we'd love to chat with you. It's like, okay, cool. And I thought that's just how it went. I didn't know anything that the, I know now about publishing. Yeah. So is this so you email the publisher of a book that you like the binding of? Was yes. this a baby book or was it just no. a okay, so it, it was, was just a, a book. book. Yeah. So it was yeah. a book with a binding that you liked. And so you just emailed the publisher <laughs> and they wrote back and were like, Hey, yeah, we'll chat. Yeah. And you know, what did that email look like? <laughs> I mean, did it, was I, it just like, Hey, I like the binding of this book. I want to write a book. <laughs> Will you publish my book? <laughs> Basically, I think it was like, Hey, I found your email in this book. I like, I've got an idea. 
can we chat about it? And I think I left it at that. I don't think I even said I want to make a baby book. But they were able to, before our conversation, follow my trail that's been left on social media to research me. And apparently that was a big deal. Like they were able to find my school. They were able to find my photography background. They were able to find the calligraphy. Like everything creative they could pinpoint without me telling them about it. So going into the conversation, they already knew like, okay, she's done some stuff. Cool. Let's see what she's curious about. And um, I pitched it to them and they liked it. And it kind of just rolled from there. Like they researched it on their end and realized, yeah, you know, let's try the baby market. And they didn't have anything in the baby market at the time. So how much would you, so, uh, you know, (laughs) I think what's important to start with is just your social media presence or in your presence mm-hmm. online certainly mm-hmm. played into them being willing to give you a meeting probably, or at yeah. least to take that meeting seriously. So yeah. there was definite work you did up front, even if you didn't realize you were doing it to this end that yes. resulted in, you know, eventually meeting with this publisher. And I don't think this is spoiling the story for anybody, but eventually a book, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, but at the same time, it feels like there's almost this element of luck in there too, just because, I mean, I don't know a ton of people who have published books, but you know, I I know a few and the process seems a little bit more like a hustle, you know, like a little bit more of a, you know, reaching out to a bunch of publishers, hoping you hear anything back when you do finally hear something back, hoping you get a meeting, you know, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. But that doesn't sound very much like your experience. (laughs) Not at all. Like I went in not knowing anything about publishing. Like I hadn't researched a thing and I didn't know people get book agents. I only learned about that recently. Like, oh, okay, cool. You know? So you go into this publisher meeting. I guess one of the the takeaways too is the value of just starting, right? You know, I think that's because there's probably... And I I think I probably fall into this category or used to, I feel like, you know, even through listening to or hearing from so many different uh, entrepreneurs that I, I've gotten much better about this, but I like things to kind of be in place, you know, the research to have been done before I feel like I take action. That's probably not a fair assessment of myself, but I guess there's value, what I'm trying to say in just going for it. You know, it certainly worked out. It certainly worked out for you. So what did your pitch look like? Like once you got a meeting, did you realize like, oh, wow, this is not normal just to get a meeting like this? Yeah. And I still didn't realize that that wasn't normal at that point. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, cool. I guess they just like do this conversation, see if you like it. And, you know, you can say no if you don't like it, you know, and that's what they do in my mind. Yeah. The pitch itself, I think it was all after the phone call. On the phone, it was, you know, I can't find a baby book that I like. I want to make one. You know, I want to make it like gender neutral. I want it to be something I'm proud to pass on to my kids. I just want it to be beautiful and not with, you know, cartoon giraffes. (laughs) And um, (laughs) they're like, okay, you know, I think there's a place for it. But I guess the hard pitch itself, the more detailed one, I pulled in my graphic skills in So it's pulling back from, you know, studies and I put together the best PDF I could think of at the time. You know, I made a mood board of what kind of fonts I wanted to use, what kind of imagery I wanted to use, the color palette they could expect. 
I gave them different prompts that I would want in there. And I even, you know, told them things I don't want in there. Like, I don't want a teeth chart in there. And, you know, that's one of the comments that every now and then I'll get back on reviews on Amazon. Like, oh, it's got everything except a teeth chart. (laughs) Okay, but I didn't want a teeth chart in there for a reason, you know. Yeah. It just didn't seem important in the big scheme. And I really held on to the things that I think would be valuable to know later. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, eventually, I mean, you get this book deal, Mm -hmm. right? Through this publisher. What did it look like marketing your book? Because your book ended up, so we're referring to the book as you grow right now. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are listening, who are interested in purchasing this book, you can, it's on Amazon, but it was also in places like Magnolia as well. There is an element to marketing, of course, (laughs) I think, and that's an understatement, I think, especially when it comes to things like books, you know, unlike weddings where you're going to shoot, you know, 10 or 20 weddings a year, your publisher's hoping that you sell more than 20 books. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, and we don't usually talk a lot uh, about e-commerce on the podcast, but I think these are interesting things to know and that there's still things that service-based businesses can learn from this. What are the ways in which you went about marketing your book? and getting like the sort of visibility that it would be picked up by uh, a Magnolia. So the Magnolia thing for me, that was the goal from signing the contract, like from before the book was made. That was like just all I wanted. It's like, I want this thing, if I'm going to work this hard on it, to be in Magnolia, you know, to make the cut basically. And from that point, I geared that book towards Joanna Gaines. She was my client. She was also pregnant at the time and it was perfect. And I thought, okay, what would she want in a book, you know, and how can I make that happen? And it was such a good like branding exercise, but also really targeting one audience, you know, with the thing. And I think that's why it worked. You know, the gender neutral, the plants, the green, you know, the tans, just really calm and homey but it's mature and timeless. And that kind of combination just came out of always going back to thinking about, okay, would she like this? Like, would this fit in with everything else at Magnolia? And um, once the book was um, hard copy in my hands, I didn't have all of them. I just had that one hard copy. I took a couple photos of it and then wrapped it up, wrote a note to Joanna and put it in a box and sent it to Magnolia. And, you know, every like two weeks or so, they'll sit her down and um, she'll get to review all these new products that, you know, hopeful artists and makers send. And, you know, she hand selects what goes into the shop. And, you know, I didn't hear anything back for months. I think I sent the book at the end of January of 2017 and we heard back right after the launch. So it was in April. So I had just kind of assumed, oh, you know, it didn't get picked up. That's fine. It's fine. You know, whatever. So, you know, much to my surprise, she picked it up and they still have it in their stores now. So that's amazing. (laughs) How did you even find, or how did you even know where to send something to Joanna Gaines for her consideration? So there were a couple different avenues that you could go, even just like an email to their customer service department and saying like, Hey, I've got this thing. Who can I get in touch with? 
somebody's going to point you in the right direction. That's one way about going about it. And I know people who've done that. Me, I know there were two friends I had at the time that used to work for Magnolia. It's like, hey, is there an address I can send this to? You know, and so I got to bypass that other way that I could have gone about it. And then also my publisher has another email connection that they've gotten a different title into Magnolia. So really there were three different avenues. The one that worked best for me was reaching out to old friends from the calligraphy community. Yeah. So a lot of it really can be like your past leading up to this and, you know, what connections you made along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So Buddy Powers was on the podcast early on. I want to say his episode was like 17 or something like that. But he, do you know the Powers? I do. Yeah, Big Spring Farm. You know, I just asked because of that Virginia connection. But one thing he said, he, oh, oh, that's awesome. So (laughs) Yeah. yeah, such a small world. What's interesting is something he said that what you're saying reminds me of. And I'm pretty sure he said it during the episode. If not, he just said it during a conversation with me. But he was reflecting on advice he got, and it was something along the lines of everybody has some sort of leg up, you know? And I think uh, leaning back on past experiences and past relationships that you built is one of the most powerful things that you can do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's awesome to hear you say that. It's something that I've been reflecting on a lot, especially as I reflect on a new business that we've recently started in the Facebook ads arena and just how quickly that's grown. And it's largely because of basically going back to relationships that have already been formed and telling them about this new business. So that's really interesting. Do you feel like sending, because you could have sent an email, do you feel Uh like there was value for you specifically in sending the package itself? How much of a factor do you think that played into it? or at least photos of the product? Oh, for sure. I think anything that you can do when you are making a pitch to stand out is everything. It really is. And, um, you know, I can say more about that with the weekend type too, but whenever you can make yourself look a little bit different than, oh, it's just another email, you know, with some pretty pictures. Well, what if, if all you had were pictures, what if you printed them out sent them in this beautiful box with a handwritten note and show them how much you really want this relationship. You know, like yeah. there's so much to that part of getting what you're after. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to imagine that they receive thousands of emails a month uh, <laughs> with different pitches on on products or, you know, whatever uh, that should be included by uh, or promoted by them. So I'm sure that kind of stuff does it at least separates you from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's great advice. You know, moving on, you eventually, should we talk about the uh, our Christmas story next? Just because we're on sure. books, does that does that feel out of order to you? If we were oh, to talk okay. about that next? Yeah. Okay, awesome. I'm My really books are ex- kind of out of order. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about our Christmas story in particular. One, because we're in the holiday season. I get excited by the, the baby book stuff too, uh, of course, and really enjoyed filling that in over the last 18 months of Jack's life. But I love just the Advent season in general, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And for all sorts of reasons, it's one of my favorite seasons, but I'm really excited to share that with Jack this year. So I'm pumped about your new book and filling that in and recording our family traditions. Um, And even Krista and I, I think, have been really intentional about this season since we got married. So we already have a lot of traditions. Mm -hmm. And with Jack last year, there were new traditions with him being around. So how did you come up with the 
our Christmas story book? I think it was from last year. Last year's Christmas was the first Christmas with our kids that I felt like I couldn't soak it up enough. You know, they were in this just magical state of wonder and it was just beautiful. And we did all the things and ran out of all the energy and just doing, you know, and I really wanted to be able to hold on to it as long as possible. And, you know, the writing was on the walls with these other memory books leading the way to this one. It's like, okay, we've got one, you know, this intentional book for babies. We've got this intentional book for, you know, marriage and relationships. What about Christmas? You know, and we followed the same format that we'd kind of laid out for the other books with the Christmas book. And it's, it's just everything that I would want to capture with Christmas. And there's lines in there, like, what are we grateful for this season? You know, what did we do Christmas morning? Like, did anybody come to visit us? Like, what did we travel, you know, and there's space for your Christmas cards. There's space for family photos. If you want to do letters to Santa, you know, you can put those in there. It's a lot of it each year. Once you open it up, you realize you can make it fit your family and how you celebrate Christmas. So if you do a lot of pictures and you want to, you know, paste a bunch of pictures in there, you can. But if you would rather use the blank spaces for writing a letter like to your kids while they're, you know, two, three, four, you can do that too. And there's a pocket in the back. We established this like pocket system starting with the baby book and then the marriage book. And now we've got one here in the Christmas book to hold like any other like special things that you want to put in there. Like maybe you went to some like ice skating show and the tickets, you know, you want to throw in there because it brings back such good memories. There's a spot for that too. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you think that it's just so important too? My mom passed away when I was a senior in high school. So stuff like this, I mean, especially since having Jack, uh, I think more so than ever, there are just so many, I mean, and again, not to be, not to get all depressing on, on the (laughs) podcast, but there's just so many things where I, I wish that I could go back and ask questions that I would just never have thought of asking until Mm -hmm. having a kid. Right. And so I I just look at these as like really great opportunities to truly like preserve family memories Mm -hmm. uh, and traditions. And so again, really excited about this book in particular, a few questions. Did you find, I guess, as you've produced these three books, is there, are there things that you've learned along the way? Like, is there anything different about this third book? Or did you do anything differently with this third book that maybe you didn't do with your first or your second book, but you learned based on feedback or just being more of a pro in the process? Are you using the same publisher? Like, what does all that look like? Yeah, I probably couldn't say on the Christmas story about learning something new, how to do it better, but I can with the one I just finished. It's called Growing You. It'll be out next year. But um, that one I handled a lot differently than the past three, just because, you know, the timelines to make a book, they can be pretty tight in the the design part, like the creation part. And that's something different that I've done too with my books. Like I'm doing the art in it, but I'm also laying it out and doing the entire design. So it takes quite a while to do everything. Now, when you're in the middle of doing that and launching another one at the same time, 
things can start to get stressful. <laughs> sure. And that's what happened in the springtime this year. Whenever we launched the marriage book, I was finishing the Christmas book. And so it was crazy. And I learned I need to take more time off. I'm a better mom, artist, maker, author, everything for it, you know, for like really dividing up my time. Does the publisher set deadlines for all of this, I'm assuming? Yeah, they set deadlines, but we're also in with them, like in the discussion. So it's not like these are your hard, fast deadlines that from the beginning, it's like, hey, I can do it in this amount of time. You know, what about these? You know, in like right now, I have two months off because I asked for it Yeah, um, from working on books. And that was something that I learned. I needed to ask for this time to just be with my family and enjoy Christmas and not have the pressures of, you know, deadlines for a little bit. So, so even if they were small, you know, like every deadline kind of weighs on you. So uh, beyond seeking out opportunities like the Magnolia one, which was really, I mean, something that you did, you know, you took the initiative there. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways that you've, you know, promoted your books? Because you're going to have four now. So you have three out. Again, we'll link to all these in the show notes. And before we end here, we can talk about what these three books are for if it's not already been clear to people. Sure. But you're going to have four books out. I imagine that your publisher at some point would say no if things weren't going well, right? Like, right. So, what does promoting these books look like? Is it, I know it's selling on Amazon in general, there's sort of a science to it. Is it mostly investing energy into that, like getting reviews? Uh, mm -hmm. making sure things are prime. Like what mm -hmm. are what are some of the things that go into it? So with the Amazon side, the part that I play there is trying to help get reviews. Mm -hmm. um, because once you can start getting more reviews, you know, more people can start seeing your book with visibility. And um, the way we've been getting reviews is offering, you know, something in return because they're taking their time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. to leave a review for you. And so like with this Christmas book, I've offered to send them a Christmas ornament that goes with the book and it's just, you know, perfect for Christmas. Yeah. And, um, it's been some like a no brainer for people that are already, you know, into the book, into Christmas to leave a review, anything beyond that, the publishing team works with Amazon and they do their thing and I'm pretty hands off for the rest of it. I don't know Amazon. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of nice that the publishing team takes care of a lot of that. I will say, yeah. if you buy something, especially from a small business off of Amazon, go back and leave a review because it really yeah. does make a difference. I mean, I oh, always tell huge. people, it doesn't matter what I'm buying. It could be paper towels. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. sort by two things, Amazon Prime and the reviews. I'm not obviously not going to read reviews for paper <laughs> towels, but I still sort by it because yeah. I just want to know that whatever I buy, right, is going to work. And so I just assume by seeing four out of five stars or something closer to five stars, that is a, a, a solid product. Mm -hmm. So again, especially if you go buy one of Corey's books, make sure you get on there and leave her a good <laughs> review. And that's great that you have the publishing team to help you with that. Real quick, before we move on, I want to talk about the weekend type before we wrap up here. And I know we're on a timeline. Sure. So real quick for the four books, uh, as you grow, as we grow, our Christmas story. And then there's the fourth one. You just mentioned the title, but I forget it. Growing You. Growing You. Can yeah. we go through each of these real quick and just say who these are for? Sure. So As You Grow, it's a modern memory book for baby. So that's babies from pregnancy through their five years. So okay. right up until kindergarten, that one awesome. will cover. Yeah. What about As We Grow? No, that's that it. Yeah. Was that what we just talked about? 
That's the no, that's one. as you grow. So <laughs> as we grow, I'm sorry. Similar. <laughs> yeah, as we grow. That one's the marriage book, and you can pick it up anywhere from like being engaged to 20, 30, you know, years of being married. It's a really wide gap for that one. And um, once you open that one up too, you can realize like, oh, you really can start anywhere. It's just taking the time to document your story for future generations. And that I wish one Chris came and out I did a, that. Yeah, that one came out of a, a need or a want of my own, like wanting to know more about my grandparents' story of like, you know, what it was like when they were dating each other. Like, what what did they do on a Friday night back yeah. in the day, you know? And yeah, that's why this one exists. 100%. And Chris and I, we've been married for, it'll be 10 years this winter. So yeah, but it's, you know, even just in that 10 years, like so much is different. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like I'm a almost completely different person than I was in high school when we started dating. Uh, I mean, as one would hope, right? <laughs> like, I'm sure Chris <laughs> is grateful that I'm not also, I'm not still, you know, high school Davey. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I do wish that we did that. And then you have our Christmas story, which we just talked about, which is documenting kind of the traditions around Christmas. Yep. Right. And yeah, yeah, all Christmas. The last one, or not the uh, last one, but the next one, I guess I should say. Yeah. Growing You, it's a pregnancy journal. So it's as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you can pick this up and document, you know, all the months, all the feelings, all the things leading up to baby. It's a place for you to write your birth plan. It's a place for you to write a very exaggerated, well, not exaggerated, lengthy, I guess is the word, story of your of the birth. You know, yeah. like it doesn't have to be abbreviated in this. It can be as long as you want to, you know, write about. And it goes into like motherhood, those first days, like, what's it like? Like, what's it like in the middle of the night? Like, how are you feeling kind of thing? It's almost like a self check-in too for mom. Yeah. And again, one of those instances where I, you know, I more so than ever when Krista found out she was pregnant, wishing that I could go back to my mom and say, Hey, what was this like with you? And did, you know, so I just think that those yeah. sorts of things are so valuable. And, and even if you don't appreciate them, not you, of course, but um, mm -hmm. our listeners out there, really think about it for future generations because uh, mm -hmm. everything I know in particular, I've talked about my mom a lot this episode, but anything that I have from her still, I just, I treasure so much, but let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about the weekend type because uh, you don't have enough going on. So you started uh, the weekend type. And for those of you listening, of course, th these links will be in the show notes, but let's wrap up just by talking about what the weekend type is and, and how it came to be. Yeah. So you know, as we talked about earlier, the weekend type started as my calligraphy business and um, then morphed into, you know, just this creative place that I was using to paint, learn watercolor and start doing my books. And I, you know, I had this idea this summer and it was something I needed too, just a creative artistic community. Like there's a lot of different communities available, but I needed a one for the arts for myself. Mm -hmm. And I just decided I wanted to make it, you know, and it just kind of rolled from there. I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. Changing the name was something I could have done, but I felt like the name fit so well. And it was a business or at least a name that had grown with me already. And I wanted to keep that. Yeah. And so, yeah. 
part of me also wanted to go against like <laughs> the norms of, oh no, you got to change the name. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And I kind of wanted to be like, no, I don't. I can do it the way I want to. Like, this is my ship. You go back to your ship, you know? Sure. And um, yeah, so the weekend type got started and everything that it is going to be is just creative. It's a community. It's a place that houses artists. It, some of the artists in here, they don't offer prints. Like, and we do the printing for them. So this is a very like hands-off additional revenue stream for them, which if I were in that boat, like, that's awesome. Like, I would love that, you know, but of course we started it. So we're doing it, you know, and it's yeah. so great to be able to offer that to them and be a stress reliever for other artists. And the different things that we have coming down the pipes are really exciting. And we're releasing them kind of one by one as we go on. We just had our first guest curator come in and that's an influencer that does, you know, like interior design, decorating. They're known for that kind of thing. And we let them come into the shop, you know, curate their own gallery collection and then show us how they decorate their homes with it. So it's a way of taking, you know, what the artists are doing and putting it into a setting, showing people like this is how we would do it. Because I think there's so much uncertainty for mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's like, I don't know how to pick out art. I don't know how to hang it on my wall. I don't know how big to get, you know, and we're trying to be this bridge between artists and people that want to decorate their home with it. So first of all, I guess just the weekend type name, uh, I wasn't aware of the calligraphy business right before, yeah. because I, I think we had met Krista and I connect or Krista connected me with you. And it was through the, as we grow book. Yeah. I think initially, right? Mm -hmm. So I wasn't aware of the, you know, calligraphy backstory, but <laughs> the weekend type name just yeah. fits so well with, I think, what you're currently doing with it. Yeah. So it's interesting that it came from something else, <laughs> but I think it is, I, like you said, sort of the perfect fit for this curated collection of art that people can buy. Mm -hmm. Also interesting, just how it kind of taps into that interior design background. Yep. that you have and kind of your love of, of what you fill spaces with. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's like a, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to like completely like put down something like minted, but like a classy minted. Classy mm -hmm. is not the right word, but I don't know what the right word is. But if you go, maybe you can look at it and you can then uh, send me an email and tell me, uh, for those of you <laughs> listening, what that right word is. But uh, I think you'll, you'll recognize it right away. So for that, if people are artists and they're listening, can they mm -hmm. contribute or can they apply to attribute, contribute yes. work to this? There is an artist nomination form in the footer of the website and you just go there and you fill out the form and then we're able to see who's being submitted. And we've had people, you know, be submitted by their husbands, by friends and even like nominate themselves, which is totally cool. Like, you know, you don't have to have somebody else if you want to be in here send us an email. Awesome. We want to look at your stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So we'll definitely uh, include that link in the show notes as well. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us. You know, I, this interview was kind of thrown together uh, last minute because I wanted to make sure that it got out before the holiday season here. Really excited about the Our Christmas Story book. And if you're listening right now and you're looking for a great gift for 
your family or you know a family that you know, this is something that you're going to want to check out, I think. All of Corey's books are available on Amazon, so I'll be sure to link directly to those for you to check them out. But I would also encourage you to check out The Weekend Type. Again, and that's not a seasonal thing. That's a all-year-round thing <laughs> where if you're looking for curated art that can fill different spots in your home, you're going to want to check out The Weekend Type. And of course, Corey still has her own website as well. Corey, uh, what other places can people follow along? Instagram is my favorite. So that's probably where I spend the most amount of time. I'm on Pinterest and I only do Facebook personally. So <laughs> that one's, <laughs> I don't know. I spend most of my time on Instagram. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like no businesses, I mean, unless you're running ads, <laughs> but even then, like we run ads, but we don't spend a ton of time on our Facebook page, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like that's not a place where business owners are hanging out anymore. <laughs> it's where I go to learn about like our neighborhood HOA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. You know, it's like to be part of these random groups. <laughs> that's so funny. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantKrista.com. 